today, uh, this particular topic, I think, is the toughest one for Christ followers. The issue of forgiveness. Not that we haven't received forgiveness from God. But sometimes in the journey, when something happens to us, we can get stuck on this issue. And uh, I could probably spend a few Sundays. I don't think I'm going to, but we'll see how things roll out today. <clears throat> Some people wrestle with that issue of forgiving people for things that have been done to them or things that weren't done as well. Um, I don't know how many times I've had to talk with and through people who felt like somebody should have done something for them and they are mad at them and unwilling to forgive them because they didn't do something. As many times as there were things that were done that uh, they still hold. So the link here between earthly forgiveness and God's forgiveness to us is clearly lined out. We're going to look at that as we explore that teaching for us this morning. <clears throat> Let me pause for prayer first, though. I thank you, Father, for your goodness and faithfulness to us and for putting us on a place or a footing uh, in relationship with you where we can experience the forgiveness of our sin. We didn't do anything to earn it or deserve it, and yet uh, your grace so free washes over me is what we said in words, in song. And thank you for forgiveness in the name of Jesus. And we want to live as Christ followers. We want to say, Lord, teach us to pray as you taught your disciples to pray. And we want to be able to say, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Help us to learn what that's about today. Thank you for what you'll do. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Uh, right off the bat, I think first I want you to observe in this prayer, verse 12 of Matthew 6, <clears throat> forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. To note the most important word in the verse, and that is the word as. As. In, in that sense, it becomes uh, kind of like a regulator, a conditional regulator to the experience of forgiveness we have as we do that to others. <clears throat> I know that in the Lord's Prayer, uh, sometimes when churches recite it, we say, uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Here, NIV says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And I don't know which word helps you most. Uh, it simply is trying to talk about or get to things where, where, where there's been a boundary that is crossed, a line that is crossed. <clears throat> Trespasses might be more helpful for us. Debts tend to be looked at in terms of financial. And so it, it, we're not, maybe we're not beholden to anybody financially. So debts and debtors doesn't always do it for us, but maybe trespass might help us. 
you see a sign going down or going down a road, country road, and trespassing, no trespassing, no hunting, no, don't even look at this sign. You know, just kind of keeping your distance away, no trespassing, and you know that if you cross the boundary of that signage under the property or whatever, you have committed something. You have gone somewhere you're not supposed to go. You've done something you're not supposed to do. If, if that's helpful for us in terms of understanding this whole issue of trespassing that Jesus includes in this disciples' prayer, then good. Because sometimes we do those things that we shouldn't do. Sin usually works one of two ways. Either there are the things that we've done that we ought not to have done or the things that we ought to have done that we didn't get to or that we didn't do. So it goes both ways. And here the regulator is, and most important, that word as, as. So the condition of forgiveness is functioning around that word as. There are four basic responses to the issue of forgiveness, and, and this isn't rocket science, it's just kind of like the logical possibilities of it. When we deal with the issue of forgiveness, first of all, we might say, I won't forgive somebody. I choose not to forgive them. And you hold that thing. It's, it's, like, it's like a ball and chain. Uh, it's like a chain around your neck. This whole issue of forgiveness is like a chain around your neck with that chain attached to this big ball on the end. And you're dragging that thing around. And it's an issue that gets in the way of your relationship with that person, even sometimes in your relationship with God. And you say, I won't forgive them. That's an act of your will. You are free. You are as a free moral agent are free to carry around a ball and chain for the rest of your life if you want to do that. But I would advise you or encourage you that that's not the way you have to live. That's not the way you want to live. You want to live free of those kinds of weights and obligations. That's one response. Another response that sometimes comes up is, I can't. I can't. I, I just don't think it's at all possible for me because, because the wound that was given to me or the, the hurt that I've been in, it, it was inflicted on me is just too great. I can't. I don't see any way that I can get to that point. That's another response. Another response might be this one. I don't want to. Now that, that's also very similar to I won't. But at least it acknowledges honestly that there's some things there, and even if I, even if I, even if I was able to get to the place where I was able to extend forgiveness, forgive us as we forgive. Sometimes I don't want to. I don't. I, I, sometimes people really want to hold on to that because it gives them some level of solace or even excuse at times, and they, they can just hold on to that kind of thing and say, ah. Right, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to do that. The other option, last option, is this one simply, I will. I choose to. And as much as the first one is, I won't, the last one is the better one where it says, I will. I choose to do that. And that's where I believe God wants us to move to. <clears throat> so I want you to note that important word, as, as we begin. Then I want you to observe an additional notation in all of the lines of the Lord's Prayer that we're kind of just kind of going slow on, this one is the one that has some further amplification, some further notation. Go down a few verses to verses 14 and 15. <clears throat> For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, 
your father will not forgive your sins. Oh, we don't like that. We should probably say, we should say, oh, wait a minute, God, you can't, you can't hold that against me just because I'm choosing to have this hesitancy to forgive somebody else. But that's the clear notation, clear direction of the word. And this is the only portion of the Lord's Prayer having additional instruction to it. The others are lined out very clearly. And I think the reason is this is there to emphasize the importance of this whole issue of forgiveness, that we forgive as we have been forgiven, as we forgive those who trespass against us. When Jesus is teaching on this issue of forgiveness, he gives further instruction. And interestingly enough, in that same Gospel of Matthew, a few pages away, chapter 18, you're going to find some additional instruction, an illustration of what it means or how we do that in terms of forgiveness. So I, I want to remind you of the teaching of Jesus. If you turn in your Bible to Matthew 18, <clears throat> I want to read that portion of Scripture. And I'm going to break in at verse 21. I, there are a bunch of places I could break in, but I'll do it in verse 21. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven? Perhaps he thought he was being quite generous at that point. But Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times or 70 times. Depends which variant you use it. But it's a whole lot more than seven, regardless of any way you slice it. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began uh, the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. But the servant fell on his knees before him and says, be patient with me. He begged and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, let him go. But when the servant went out, he found out he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him, began to choke him. Uh, you don't want to be indebted to a guy like this. Okay, uh, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, "Be patient with me. I will pay you back." Same line that he used to receive forgiveness of the insurmountable debt. The talents and talents of it. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. That's tough to do. When other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went back and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in and said, You wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he, owe, he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Now, it's easy to read that in the word. It's another thing to put it into practice in your walk. Because there's a lot of stuff, some really nasty stuff that has occurred in the journey. And if you haven't had much, be grateful. I would just simply tell you, 
there's probably something that's going to be around the corner pretty soon. If statistics are true, you're going to run into those kinds of heavy bumps along the way. But in this particular instruction from Matthew 18, there are some things that I think are important for us to keep in perspective as we make the journey along on this whole issue of forgiveness. Forgiveness, first of all, begins with God. It begins with God. Oh, how thankful we are that God initiated uh, all of the actions that were needed to put us in a right standing before him so that we don't have to be condemned by our sin. Our sins, which were many, were forgiven. And that's the act of God. It begins with God. He is the source of forgiveness. It comes from him. And it is the blood of Christ as the ground of forgiveness. It is First John 1 talks about the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. And how grateful we are that God does that for us when we make our humble confession, when we, when, we, when we confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. The repentant heart is always the condition of forgiveness. A repentant heart. Um, I, I started the... Uh, the service today with that story about uh, the, the, the man who simply prayed, Lord, bend me. It, it's that repentant heart that turns to God and begins to discover the forgiveness that comes from him. But it is always the condition of forgiveness until you and I repent of holding on to things that are simply in the way and we know it. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. When, when something you're at odds with someone, every time you look at them, you don't see them. What do you see? You see the thing that you're at odds over. You see the thing that's stuck there that you know needs to be addressed, but you just won't, can't, don't want to, those kinds of responses until you come to the place where you say, I'm willing to do that. Not an easy place to get to, but a necessary place to get to. A repentant heart is always the condition of forgiveness. And a forgiving spirit is always the evidence of forgiveness. A forgiving spirit is always the evidence of forgiveness. Um, in the story that we read from Matthew 18, you have the, the one who was unwilling to forgive. He was, there was no evidence of forgiveness. And it was, it was, I want my pound of flesh and I want it now. It's kind of like Shylock of the world. That's Shakespearean if you need to do a tutorial. Anyway, uh, there's that, that point where he just says, I, I, there needs to be that evidence of forgiveness and that forgiving spirit is always the evidence of that. May God help us to show that, be forgiving as we relate to that. And then the removal of sin and the restoration of fellowship is always the result of forgiveness. What happens when when I choose to, to address that issue and sit down, either, making sure I've made the right dialogue with God, first of all, to get things right in my and I have that forgiving spirit, the ability to forgive somebody else for what they did or didn't do. 
toward me that has interrupted the fellowship and connection there. The removal of sin and the restoration of fellowship is always the result of that. God removes that, and we can address that issue. It doesn't mean that that they have they have to they have to change. God is in the business of changing the hearts of people, but it does mean that I have to be willing, ready, repentant to ask His forgiveness from Him, from God, but because of that hard-heartedness or unrepentant heart, but also to be willing to ask forgiveness from the person who has where that offense is. And when when that sin is addressed and the restoration of fellowship has occurred, that's the result of that forgiveness. That's what God produces. That's what God does. Now, I, I, I could probably take time and just put a little parentheses in the sermon today and say, Let's have some testimonies of how people had in for one another. And I want you to air your grievances here. And uh, But I, I, I won't do that because I don't know that we would have a whole bunch of people standing up and say, pick me, pick me. You know, I'd be glad to share. You know, because we really want to hide this stuff. We want to bury this stuff. As a matter of fact, sometimes we think, if I just keep it under wraps... It'll go away. You know that doesn't work. Because the next time you see that person where there's an issue, that's the picture that comes right to your mind. I remember the day when. And until we come to the point we address that, we'll always be carrying around that chain around our neck, a collar around our neck attached with a chain to a ball. We're going to lug around for the rest of our days until we say, God, I need to be free of this. And we let it go to him. Now, I know there's a process. And and to be honest, if, if we were taking more time and I had in the small group kinds of things where I really like to bore down a little bit more on this, uh, there are some things that I'd be glad to suggest in terms of how you address those issues. And if you're stuck, if you're stuck in a relationship, stuck in, in on an issue with someone, and you can't get through it, maybe maybe you've tried and they said, I don't want to talk to you. But maybe that gets shut down from that side, but you've got to make sure you're, you're free in your own heart to let them go and let God work on them in the whole process. Um, but but there, are, there are times when we've had... We've had uh, ministry group time where you sit in your accountable relationship and you say, well, okay, here's, here's, I've had this, I just got this, this obstacle there with that brother or that sister. And, uh, sometimes we've walked through, uh, uh, some wording of prayer for, for instance, we might, we might say, Lord, I, uh, <laughs> Lord, I choose to forgive so-and-so for whatever that offense is because it made me feel this way. Lord, I choose to forgive my wife. I'm going to get in trouble, but I'm just using illustration. I'm going to talk about my wife. She's a saint. She deals with a sinner. But anyway, 
but it is true. Don't you uh, uh, to me? Okay, this is Valentine's Day. She is a saint, you know. So, uh, but you, you, ch I choose to forgive my wife for for being critical of me because it made me feel worthless. It made me feel unloved. It made, and you make that confession. You bring those words with you, and you yield those to the Christ. Now there may be work you need to do with your spouse. And that maybe you said just one-on-one, -on -one, having what we sometimes call crucial conversations. Those times of dialogue when we can just be open with each other. And, and there's, that's risky stuff. That's risky stuff going into that territory. Because you know what the possibility is? She may not choose to forgive me. She may continue to think something or other. She may be unwilling to do that. And now I'm stuck. What do I do with it? And so there's is the dialogue of forgiveness needs to happen and 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 when you when you're approaching someone um, and, and looking for forgiveness but they seem unwilling to give that to you what do you do? There are some things you need to just leave there. You've done what you can do. You've done what God has asked you to do. If the person still chooses to remain hostile or angry for whatever reason is going on in their world, issues that they need to deal with, then that's where it needs to be. That needs where it needs to be left there. But but the prayer is that God help me to be repentant on my end to experience forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. Let me offer a couple reminders. Before we come, before we come to, to, to observe communion together, where we're, we're really talking about forgiveness, the ultimate forgiveness, you know, we might think, we might think that that uh, in, in our in our situation or our setting, uh, yeah, there isn't too much bad stuff that's happened, you know, and we're okay with God, uh, we're okay with one another in process. It's a small potato, but you know, think about it in terms of perspective of how it is that God forgave us of the multitude of our sin and we hold this one thing against a brother or sister and it just doesn't, doesn't do it in terms of the comparison. So a few reminders. First, and a very helpful one, is you're never closer to the grace of Christ than when you confess your sins to him. You're never closer than when you confess your sins to him. Lord Jesus, you know my critical spirit. And you know my unwillingness to forgive so-and-so for what they did. It hurt. We're never closer to the grace of God than we are, than, than we, than we are when we confess that. We're never closer to his grace than we confess our sin. Lord, forgive me for my attitude. In another month uh, or thereabouts, pretty close, you'll have a new pastoral couple here. And you'll have the opportunity to love on them. And they will be different than any previous pastor you have ever had. They will be different than this transitional guy that comes up and haunts you on Sunday to Sunday. You know, uh, it'll be different. It'll be different. And and those differences may at times cause you to just say, oh, I don't like that. Uh, he doesn't wear a jacket. He's in blue jeans. 
Does he own a tie? You know, I, I like the way his hair is parted. I, you know, uh, and his wife. <gasps> and we can get into all kinds of things where we just, the differences cause us, and we, we can just, we can get into some bad spots. And we have to be very careful that we don't, that we don't come with a spirit of forgiveness and allow God to work in our hearts. You're never closer to his grace than when you confess your sin. Secondly, you're never more like Jesus than when you forgive those who have sinned against you. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I've been part of more than a few times where we've had sit-down sessions and there have been differences and at some point, God breaks down that stuff and people are willing to own their stuff and ask for forgiveness and receive forgiveness. And when that happens, it's like a, it's like a breath of fresh air that occurs um, where something good happens. I, I remember one, the two couples were working with and they were at each other and we had a sit-down session long ago. And the one gal said, this, this isn't, this isn't good. This isn't getting us anywhere. She said, I, I need to just take action. And she stepped up and went across and she said, called the person by name. She said, will you forgive me for, for the critical attitude I've had toward you? Uh, we're different people, but forgive me for my criticism. Um, and uh, the, the gal said, do you really mean that? <laughs> yes, I was calling it a question. You know, guy, yeah. And they hugged and embraced. And then that just kind of opened things up so that some new, new steps, new progress was made in that relationship. Were they ever bosom buddies again, best of friends? Probably not. But the stuff was cleared out of the way. The junk was cleared out of the way. And they were able to walk together as part of the body of Christ together. One final piece here is that you'll never fully enter your freedom in Christ until you learn the freedom of forgiveness. Talk about freedom in Christ. Uh, Galatians talks about for freedom Christ set us free. Only don't, don't get entangled up again. In a yoke of bondage, don't 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 let that thing hold you back in process. Who uh, are invited in this Lord's prayer to for to ask to ask Christ forgive us, forgive us for our sins, forgive us for for our shortcomings, our failures, for our missing the mark, for all of those kinds of things. <sighs> even as we choose to be people of forgiveness. I don't know where you're at on your journey today. You might be in a good spot in your walk with God. You may hold no offense, no grudge, no bitterness, no anger, all the stuff that can come. You may hold none of that. 
and that's great. But if along the way you find yourself with a collar around your neck that's got a chain attached to one of those kinds of things that has interrupted your fellowship with one another, it could be husband and wife, it could be within the body of Christ, it can even bridge into the politics of our world. And I won't even bother illustrating that, because it's so evident. Forgive us our debts, our trespasses, as we choose to forgive those who have trespassed against us. True repentance always starts with a change of mind. That's the word repent, literally. To walk in one direction, turn around, go the other direction. That's what repentance is about. It always begins with a change of mind that leads to a change of heart, that leads to a change in the way we view those we've sinned against. All I would say today is be open to the changes God wants to make in you today. Then step into your new freedom in Christ. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Pause with me for prayer. <clears throat> and what I want to ask you to do just in this moment is to be willing to say, Lord, would you bring to my mind right now anything that is standing in the way of relationship with another person maybe in your own home, maybe in your church family, maybe in your earthly family, bio-family, things that are issues that you have held onto in unforgiveness. And usually we don't have to think real long about that. And all that I would ask you to do is to simply uh, make this your prayer. Lord, make me willing to be willing to extend forgiveness as you've forgiven me. And there may be some work you need to do in dialogue, but let it begin first in your heart, repentant heart, to allow him to work in you of his good pleasure. And Father, we want to trust you for what you will choose to do as you set us free from bondage of unforgiveness. May we make our humble confession and make our right steps toward you and toward those that we harbor unforgiveness toward. I'll thank you for what you'll do as we walk the first steps. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. <clears throat>